This episode is all about getting your next puppy from a responsible breeder. However, we absolutely do support getting your dog from a rescue organization and we support all the great dog and cat rescues and all the wonderful work they're doing in our community. We did reach out to two separate rescue organizations and invited them to be on the podcast. However, we have yet to receive a response. So if you do work within a rescue or you know someone that works within a rescue, please do reach out to us through our website and we would love to have you on. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. Hey, hey, this is Danielle Grachek, founder of Canine Inspired Change. Welcome to the Canine Inspired Podcast, where we explore the connection between humans and dogs and give you tools to strengthen your bond with your dog and with your community so you can get out there and do good with your dog. Hey, hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us this week. Um, you have me here, uh, Danielle Grachek. Also, you have... Aaron Jorick. Hello. And Mr. Mark Steary is our producer. Um, so he's with us today as well. And our featured guest is Jamie Dow, owner of Sundown Border Collies. So welcome, Jamie. Thank you very much. It's uh, nice to be here, and thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, for sure. I'm so excited to have you on. So you and I have been friends for a long time, just kind of peripherally in the dog world, knowing of each other. And I have a cabin in the area um, that you live, but also the excitement of my lifetime right now is that I have put a deposit down on one of your border collies. So um, this prompted us uh, to have you on the show. And I just have so many questions because I think like a lot of people in the dog world, I just never saw myself like getting a dog from a breeder because I just, you, you just hear rescue, rescue, rescue. And you just hear all these things. Um, and when you start to, uh, navigate the process for yourself, you, it, it's, it's not as simple as it seems, right? Um, it, it's not as simple as it seems. And to be honest with you, you aren't the first person that, um, has gotten a puppy from me that has never gotten a puppy from a breeder before. Um, I think there's a certain stigma involved with it. Yeah. Um, where if you get a pup from a breeder, maybe you might be looked down upon from the dog community. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Versus just rescuing. Yes. I was actually talking to a friend of mine the other day who was used to be really involved with a, a local rescue. Um, and so I was like, oh, so I'm getting a puppy. And I was all being very gentle about breaking the news to her. She's like, listen, you're not the first person that's like telling me this like you're ashamed or you're like having to break something to me or it's like a dirty word. She's like, I believe in good breeders and i also believe that dogs need to be rescued like both things can remain true in the world you know um and there's definitely specific circumstances that are applied to each separate rescue and each separate breeder so we want to start to parse that out for people today because okay it's confusing it, it, it is confusing and it's kind of a touchy subject for a lot of people. So yeah, yeah I, I totally get it. And I understand, you know, the, 
maybe sometimes the guilt wrapped around it. Yeah. And um, I wish that wasn't the case at all. Right, right, right. Well, that's why we're talking about it. Let's blow yep. the lid off and just say we we see I see you, everybody. And you're you know what you we're here for you, basically. Jamie, so. when did you start breeding? Um, well, I've been breeding many years. I actually started out with German Shepherds, um, and th that was the original breed that I started herding with. Um, and then I began um, training Border Collies for a breeder um, back when I lived down in like the River Falls area. And I'd take my German Shepherds there and then also work with her um, about 18 of her border collies every weekend. So I'd be down there on every Saturday and Sunday going through that. And that's kind of how I got my um, foot in the door in the border collie world, I guess you could say. Um, and I actually had no intention of getting a border collie myself. Hmm, um, <laughs> that seems to be familiar. Uh, that's where I yeah. find myself. But I'm so excited. Okay, sorry to keep busting in on that okay no, continue that's totally fine. continue yeah. yeah but you know um as far as the border collies go it was just kind of it was going to happen whether i <laughs> whether i wanted it to happen or not <laughs> you know um they're really at the top of the herding world so um i don't know i you know the every different breed has different traits that belong to them but you know really in my opinion the border collie is it for herding and livestock training sure so um do you uh, so you were actively herding with your german shepherds and then uh, yeah. and then you switched over to herding with your um border collies Yep. And yep. so what does that look like? What does that mean for us that city slickers that don't quite know? Like, do you have a farm that you actively work them? Do you compete? Like, what is what does that look like? I do have a farm. Um, we raise sheep and we raise pigs and we are now getting um, dabbling a little bit into cattle and hopefully that will build. Um, my border collie is most of them. Well, all of them almost work sheep. Um, I have a few that work the pigs as well, and then some that work all three. What does it mean to have? What does it mean to have the the dogs work the livestock? What do they actually do? So when I need to move livestock mm -hmm. from a you know this area to that area, they're the ones that do it for me. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a time saver. They're basically my right hand when it comes to, you know, anything to do with the livestock. If I tried to do it on my own, it would just be a mess. Mm -hmm. I'm on the farm alone a lot. Mm -hmm. So, uh, if I didn't have them, it probably wouldn't get done because I'm just here, right. you know, alone. And so. that's how they, and that's what people have been doing for years, right? Um, yes. I've been using dogs in this manner, mostly border collies. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a natural kind of uh, kind of partnership, right? And the and the cattle it, it seems like they understand the dog better than they would like a four wheeler or something. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the border collie, their strength is in their in their eye contact, um, and then of course they actually do have to sometimes grip, and so that's using their mouth, mm-hmm. you know, um, and. I start off teaching a grip so that I'm the one that's in control of that. And I'm the one that tells them, you know, when it's appropriate and when it's not. So they're not running off of emotion. So that would be on a, like a leg. No, uh, Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So when it comes to like moving pigs and it does take oh. a different dog to move pigs, um, the, the best thing for a pig is to get them straight and square on and quickly in the nose because mm. that's their sensitive spot. And I'm not talking about you're drawing blood. That's not a, you know, no, nothing like that. Right. It's just a quick attention getter. Um, sometimes sheep will head off, you know, mm-hmm. dogs and face, face them down. So they really do often need a quick, clean grip there. Okay. Um, when you're, talking about um cattle work you know the best thing is a dog that can head and heal as well okay so i think we've established that you're an expert in border collies and in herding in general you do it every day you've done it every day for many many (laughs) years (laughs) i wouldn't classify myself as an expert but you know you got to learn a thing or two to muddle through (laughs) right well i think in the general society societal pool you would be up there with with knowledge of how to do this versus you know, I, I do have some knowledge, but there's yeah. definitely people out there that are higher up in the ladder as sure. far as you know, hurting and that yeah. kind of thing. Well, I appreciate mm-hmm. your humility, humility. So <laughs> that's good. Okay. So this is good. So then going back to breeding. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as I'm looking into getting a dog from a breeder, um, I see different terminology that I don't really know about. So one is commercial breeder versus, and then we also have heard all these horror stories about puppy mills that, that I don't even know anything about except for like, they seem like horrible stories. And I would, (laughs) when I was training at the canine coach, I would teach the shine fearful class. It seems like everybody came in with a dog that was just shut down and, um, right. And and said, you know, Hey, I got this dog from a, a, it was a puppy mill breeding mom or, you know, whatever. Um, so, and then there's also, so, but what would you consider yourself? What the type of a breeder? Is there a name for it? Somebody who like does a small batch, <laughs> uh, breeding <laughs> like home well, breeder or. So I guess I am considered a breeder though. Um, our litters are few and far between. Mm-hmm. For instance, we have a litter right now that's going to be turning four weeks old on Thursday. And I think the last litter I had was three years ago. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, there, there are breeders out there that are producing a lot more puppies than I am. Um, I just know for me personally, that's not something that, um, I do or want to do, uh, when I have a litter, it, it's, it's nearly a full-time job for me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, they, they are, you know, I raise them a little differently than some people in, you know, well, in this world, everybody does things the, how they see fit. Um, for me, I do raise my litters inside of the house. So that takes on a different level of commitment mm-hmm. and time. Right. You know? 
And so, so all of my adults as well are in the house. All of your what? All of the adults uh-huh. are in the house. Right. So. That's so fantastic. Okay. Because um, it sets up the dog then just for a domestic life. Um, yeah. So my aim isn't to necessarily be like, I got to sell all these puppies to livestock people. My aim is to be able to place a puppy in any type of home. Yep. And I'm going to be confident that they're probably never going to contact me with an issue as far as like, oh, I can't handle it. And they have to be returned to me. Mm-hmm. Um can I handle it if they do that? Sure. We raise them and we're here for the lifetime of the dog. Yeah. No matter if you come back to me, you know, 13 years down the road, I'm going to take the dog. Yeah. Jamie, I was wondering, so clearly border collies are, are bred as herding dogs. Mm-hmm. When you, when, when someone purchases a, purchases a dog from you, do you like give recommendations on like, you know, this, this dog has been bred for this job. And if you're not going to do this job, here's my recommendation to like, keep the dog stimulated so that you, you maintain this positive relationship. Yeah. So basically when I place, um, puppies with people, I have a very open door policy with them. And we talk about everything, you know, from their life, their, family situation on down the line, because I want to make sure that this is a good fit. Uh, Any kind of training questions that they might have, I'm here for them. You know, um, I'm not a positive only trainer because I have found that that just isn't going to transfer over into this world that we, that, you know, we live in here. Um, If my dogs don't listen to me, it can be dangerous we might be in a situation then, you know, oh, what you you're saying is if you're out hurting and your dog doesn't listen to you, both you and the dog could be in physical danger from like the cattle. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that people don't necessarily realize is that transfers out into the real world too. Right. So that goes out to people that don't have livestock. Let's say that you're out and about with your dog and it's off leash and there's a road right there you need to have your dog come mm-hmm. or you need to have your dog be able to lie down and trust that it's going to do it 100% of the time. Yeah. For well, the safety of well, you and I have had, Jamie and I had had, had a long conversation about this. My question was like, well, I had previous knowledge of you and I just think the world of you as a human. And I know all the rescuing you do with from donkeys to birds to, you know, pigs to, to, you know, and I know the type of animal lover you are. Um, and so I, I, when I called you and realized that you just had a litter and it just so happened to coincide at the time that I was trying to adopt and I was kind of having a rough time with that, um, it was like, oh, my gosh, do I start to open my mind to the possibilities of this? So you and I then had several conversations, which you were so like patient with me so just thank you public a public thank you um and my my big question to you was would like I don't live on a farm and I I I'm I'm not gonna have access to livestock um do you in your opinion would one of your dogs be happy in an environment like mine which of course I'm gonna exercise probably do a little disc because how fun is that? Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of training and working towards being a therapy animal. That being said, 
I would never pigeonhole a dog that's not having a good time in a therapy dog situation to be a therapy dog. And I have no um, delusions that, you know, you can just like, this is my puppy and it's going to be a therapy dog. Like, that's not uh, that's not real. Um, Right. Right. So, you know, every dog is individual. You know, we have goals, but we have to just take into consideration the dog's temperament and personality. Yeah. So anyways, my big person or my big question to you was, do you think that your dog one of your dogs could be happy in a situation like that. Um, and so that led us to this big conversation about um, about that and how you do breed and train your dogs and live with your dogs in a way that they can be happy in a large variety of homes. You bet. So I couldn't even begin to say that that was okay and unless I actually lived it in right. real life, right? So I've got puppies in all walks of life, in all types of different situations. You know, these are true working border collies. So I'm not breeding for sport. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet I have sport homes that do very well with them Mm -hmm. because what makes a good sport dog is actually what made it a fantastic herding dog. Mm -hmm. Um, They come in, they lie down. You know, if I want to be lazy, which I don't get to be lazy very often. I can't imagine you being lazy, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) And just, you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, you have a day where you're, you don't have anything to do, whatever. And my dogs are going to lay here for seven, eight hours straight. Mm -hmm. They're just going to nap. But when it's time to go to work, it's time to go to Mm -hmm. work and they're more ready so that's kind of the difference they're not going to drive you crazy you know um we got to do this we got to do this we got to do this they're just ready to go when it is time to do something right well it's part i mean that's conserving energy for when it is time to work i remember coming to i think it was wally's place um, mm-hmm. and you know, anybody that lives in a small town or has a cabin in a small town, it's like, yeah, it's over by Wally's place, you know? Um, so anyways, it was at Wally's place and he's got a sheep farm, um, as well. Yep. And you were doing, um, an event in which you could just bring your dog there and you had a little small pen set up and you could bring your dog in and see, try their hand at, at, at just a, some light hurting stuff. And I remember that was be, that being really fun because I have Aussies, or I did have Aussies at the time. I have one Aussie left. Um, but I also really, really remember your dogs being tied on a, like a trailer and me going up to pet them and they were just like sitting there like, hey, how's it going? Hi, everybody. Yeah. I love everybody. I'm super tolerant. I could care less about a tractor. And there's this this dog is not socialized. It's somebody brought and it's barking its head off at me. And I'm just like, hey, what up? Hey. They're just yeah. so easy going because of all the exposure they have to, you know, tractors and, and people and birds in your house and pigs and, you know, loud noises and the whole thing. So that really, to me too, I really remember that. Um, and that's super important, I think, for just any dog to have, no? Yes, it is. You know, um, (laughs) I kind of laughed because I know that you had brought up me being a dog trainer and it's actually not something I even consider myself being, you know, I train on hurting. I don't train like consciously. You are a dog (laughs) trainer. (laughs) Well, I mean, I can kind of give you an example of that. I had a puppy, um, that I bought last, uh, fall and she didn't have a collar on her for the first time until she was eight months old. Yeah. 
you see that. Now, how does that happen? Do you think that I'm just leaving her here in my house? Nope. She actually goes everywhere with me, and she went to work with me every day, but she knew to stick with me, mm-hmm. right? So I can let her out of my car in a parking lot, go across town, and she's going to just walk with me. I don't... It's so important to be able to build that relationship mm-hmm. with them, and really, it's a leadership yeah. thing. You right? know what? When it boils down to it, um, when I talk, when I teach our our obedience classes, and we really don't have any general obedience classes here. We have therapy dog prep class, and then we have therapy dog class. I also do some one on ones. But what I tell people is, the leash is the last resort. So you have your, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, you have your, your vocal tone, you have your body language. Um, you, there's all different things that you need to use before you even touch that leash because we don't want to have to use it. It's there in the city right. before, for protection and safety. Um, right. however, and in therapy dog work, you just have to have it. Um, but it, it is the last resort. So I wanted to talk about to, um, this, that you said you're not a purely positive trainer. Um, so what we talk about it, which I, which personally I don't think works anyways, because if you just think about in your life trying to communicate with somebody and the only time that you gave them any feedback was positive feedback, like how does that feel to you communicating with them and how does that feel to them not really knowing what's up um, unless right. it's positive. Um, but we play a lot with that. We call it BET, body language, energy, tone. So I have like the the you did it right tone the high tone yes you know like a marker word yes Mm -hmm. then we have the middle tone um which is like good nice like you're doing it right but keep doing it and then you have your low tone which is hey ah," which is no way no way jose i don't want that so that's kind of what we play with just in general when we're training with people are you working off something similar to that or how do you deal with that Yeah, I mean, it's pretty similar to that. These dogs are the most intelligent dogs on earth. So, you know, that eye and the way they have cognitive ability, they know exactly whether I'm happy or I'm not happy, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm kind of a low key type of person. So I'm not often out there cheerleading, you know, I'm not, yeah, 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 unless something really requires me to be doing that. Um, for them, livestock is the reward. Mm. If I'm not saying anything, they know they're doing fantastic, Mm. Mm -hmm. you know? So if I'm quiet, everything's good and clicking along the way that it should be. Um, if I have a tone, okay. So how do they, but how do they learn then? Do they just learn from the other dogs? Is that how they're learning, like, what to even do? Is it instinctual? And plus they're then with the other well, dogs? these guys, so basically they have a ton of natural ability. And as the handler, we're just out there shaping it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Got mm-hmm. it. Got yep. it. Um, you know, and some dogs have more natural ability than others. There are dogs that don't really seem to have any. Just because it's a herding breed doesn't mean that it's going to do yeah, work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. I... I was on your Facebook page and (laughs) I, I grew up with hunting dogs. I I grew up with, with German short haired pointers. I, I have a rescue English setter and then we're adding another English setter to our family this summer. Mm -hmm. I saw that 
you posted someone who hunts with their border collie. Sure. Yeah. That blew my mind. Like, I mean, and I know it's like, you know, a, a dog, you know, might be bred to do a certain skill, but like mm-hmm. never would I think that a border collie would be, you know, getting grass. Yeah, so that's actually, that's Jen Simon, and she has been doing some bird hunting as well as shed work, you know, scent stuff with uh, her dog, Flynn. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Yeah. So it's possible. I, I think... You know, honestly, I think it's kind of a testament to the bond that these dogs have. And that's one thing that I was talking to Danielle about is they really care about their owners and their handlers and the happiness that they're feeling. So mm-hmm. just that thrilling. goes a long way. I'm so excited to I get to come up and visit shortly. So I'm so excited about this. But um, so. I'm just thrilled with your, um, your, your just coming on, your honesty, your openness, even though in the dog world, sometimes that leads to criticism because, of course, everybody has different differing opinions on things. Oh, sure. um, but yep. I just I think that we can all um, maybe benefit from being less precious about it all and just learning from each other. Um, yeah. And so the. I do we I do want to end this uh, chapter of our talk, but we're gonna have you back for part two because um, I haven't had a puppy in ten years, and so now <laughs> I'm getting a new puppy. And even then, it's just, it just was like, oh please take this dog. You know, these are all like I call them private adoptions. I never got a puppy from a breeder, and and so yeah. anyways, like the last puppy I got was like four months old. He was already. Um, neutered and so now going into getting a a new puppy i'm researching things and in 10 years i haven't really paid attention to veterinary medicine spay neutering and things like this and there is it it is blowing my mind that there's all this new information out there um and best practices and and people's opinions so i want to have you back for part two to talk about spay neuter what you think about that um and Mm -hmm. things that i've read about it some um peer-reviewed studies that we found so if if anybody has uh interest in that definitely tune in for part two with jamie dow owner of sundown border collies thanks for being with us today jamie thank you so much for having me on absolutely i just think the world of you okay everybody uh until next time we see i see you you matter and get out there and do good with your dog bye